You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Olay Speaks podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode 160. Uh, insert your jokes about uh, Paul Pogba minutes played because I feel like it's around 160. Anyways, uh, if you want to listen to this episode as well as previous ones, feel free to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we always appreciate a five-star rating and a review. We appreciate the ratings and the reviews, especially the reviews, the kind words that y'all have been coming through the last few weeks. Uh, as we mentioned with our midweek episode with Adriano Del Monte, a certain Federico Chiesa, who knows if it's the real one. We'll just assume it's the real one, left us a nice review. That's a good pod. So uh, thank you for that, Federico, if it is really you. So let me bring in here the crew of Sam Lopresi. Hello, Sam. Hello, Danny. It's been a, dare I say, a crappy week. Huh. Yes, we need to get all those out of our system. <laughs> We've got Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. Happy to be here as always. Uh, yeah, I just, I wonder how many dollars that, you know, some bad chicken or whatever it is that the Barcelona team had cost the the organizers of the of the friendlies because... <laughs> they had to be feeling really, really bad and it had to have hit everyone for them to just call up a game like that, right? Like you assume that wasn't the that that's a pretty penny lost over uh someone not cooking chicken properly. So that sucks. <laughs> and in in you know, we also got affected because we don't have that much to talk about in this podcast. So exactly you know, everyone suffers. Exactly. We we determined our podcast recording because of the wonderful opening friendly against Barcelona at Levi stadium. That is not in San Francisco, like it has been advertised, but an hour South of San Francisco. And let me tell you, it is, uh, I'll, 
as I just alluded to, I'll get this out of my system. It is a pretty shitty situation, and it is quite the show that it sounded like yesterday in Santa Clara, because you know we we saw Juventus not have a friendly all of a sudden about what eight eight or so hours before kickoff, and there are a lot of people stranded. Uh, obviously, now Juventus has one less friendly, and uh, according to some places in Italy, whether you you consider them reliable or not, that cost them probably a couple million euros for a cast strap club like Juventus is right now. That's probably a pretty big deal, uh, as it is for Barcelona, seeing as they're just as cash-strapped, if not more. So instead of talking about a friendly that just happened, we are going to be talking about friendlies that hopefully happen in the future to lead off uh, this week's show. And the first one will be against uh, old buddies Milan, who are very much going to look different than the the Milan we saw a few months ago in Serie A, considering all of their transfer activity, basically the opposite of what Juventus has done. And so I will throw it back to Sergio. It is friendlies. It is the end of July. I guess, what are you interested the most in seeing out of Juventus for not only the Milan friendly, but then Real Madrid, who, oh my God, you look at their squad and it's just like, it gives you just completely different feelings compared to Juventus. Yeah, I I think, you know, usually I don't put that much weight into friendlies, but I I guess I look out for more for individual performances rather than, than a whole team type of aspect especially in this type of friendlies like like you Danny and I that we we went to last last year's game against against Chivas and I know that's a big downstep in in competition but you know that they, they pretty much substitute everyone off in you know in the second half and there's a lot of players kind of playing for the first time with their new teammates and whatnot so a lot of youth products I don't think there's that much to to really take out of the those games other than individual performances and that's what I was kind of most most excited to see, I was excited to see, um, you know, the only new signing that Juventus has made in, in Team Wea, kind of where he was going to set up, like how he was going to look. Obviously, the, the reports from training has been that he's uh, surprised everyone, that like he's looking great. You know, obviously, you hope that is the case, but it is training. So you have to see that guy play in real time. And and probably something that a lot of people weren't going to make uh, a very big deal out of Either way, was going to be the formation, right? Like, is it going to be the, the same, like a three-five-two? Is it? Are we going to see a change where certain guys going to line up? You're seeing reports that uh, Federico Chiesa is playing now as a out-and-out second striker and looking great at it. Is that for real? Is that just uh, Italian newspapers filling out space? Like, I, I think the, that's kind of like what you most look out of for for friendlies and. That's what I'm going to be looking out if, God willing, we actually get to see them play against Milan and Real Madrid, right? Like, uh, does Chiesa <laughs> look healthy? Like, it, does he look like the, the Chiesa from from a couple seasons back? Like, I think those little details were what I was looking forward uh, the most. And now that we're gonna now we're gonna have to wait, but hopefully, hopefully, no one eats anything bad in, in the next few days, and we actually get to see some real real time playing for for the first time in a while. Yeah, I agree a lot in terms of the the idea of seeing the individual performances, seeing, you know, I don't share it, the Italian media's doubts or optimism on Chiesa as a second striker because, you know, we've been watching that attempt for two years and it's just not, It's I, I don't see any reason to expect it to happen better this time. But if it does, hey, I guess power to everybody. I very much want to see what happens with Nicola Rovella 
and where he plays. He is a guy that I really want to see getting a lot of minutes this year. So I would very much like to see him playing, you know, in a starter's role from the top. And I'm also very interested in seeing some of the younger kids down the depth chart, guys like Dean Hoyson and uh and Kenan Yidlis has apparently been getting rave reviews from the uh from the media during training sessions. So it it uh you know, 19-year-old kid that has been playing he played the second half of the season for the next gen this year, and uh, he's from Turkey and he is a very, very good striker who who's been he's kind of getting a little bit of the hype from the youth sector that moisa kane did when kane first came up that'll be very interesting to see but as and as much as as losing this game against barcelona kind of sucks at the same time maybe it's not that bad of a thing that they aren't going to play a game like 36 hours after they step off of a plane less than that yeah about 24 yeah maybe that might not be the worst thing in the world. You know, God knows what could have happened to to some of these guys who, you know, just stepped off of a plane and have no time adjustment whatsoever and and just, you know, what their bodies might have done to them. So that that that's ne- not necessarily awful. But yeah, I I'm you know, it's disappointing uh to to not be getting this game, especially since, you know, we had a skip. This is this is going to be a very abbreviated preseason, isn't it? Because we had that we had a game kind of sort of scheduled with Lazio earlier this year uh, or for later this summer that got scrapped very early on in the summertime. The VR Perosa game is not going to be played this year. I don't know why. Any anybody that that one's that one's weird to me. It's it's fodder. It's very much fodder for a lot of people who have been who have been thinking that John Elkin wants to sell the team like any way that he can distance the Exor and and the Agnelli family from them as as he can. Same with the the whole Jeep thing with the shirt sponsorship. But um yeah, it, it's it's going to be a very, very abbreviated preseason with not a lot of of game action this year, unless something gets arranged between now and and the beginning of the season after this tour is over. Because you look at the schedule and there's not a lot there. Not only that, um, but this is in pretty much every single way uh, the exact same team that they had last season. Like the, they're, you know, you, you took Juan Cuadrado out, brought in Team Wea, who if you want to look at it as a like-for-like position change, and that's it. Like there's really not, there hasn't been any any change. And I know that June Tully was just um, announced not that long ago, and hopefully this means that uh, maybe they're doing a lot of deal and dealing and, and wheeling. But you know, it's it's happening behind closed doors. There's not a lot of leaks, so we as a fan don't get to you know, to be privy to those conversations, but it is a little bit worrying. I'm not ready to hit the panic button, but this is still pretty much the same team of last season with a couple additions. Like like you said, like I forgot about Robela, like uh, with Wea, but in a lot of ways, the same team. And I think we already had plenty of indications that last year's team wasn't all that great. So hopefully there's, there's I mean, at the very least, you know, because we know that finances are going to be tight and whatever, but at the very least, there has to be a lot of outgoing moves yet to be made. And it, it feels like with the, the friendlies coming up with the season, kind of like not, you know, 
less than I think a month from from now, I think they're going to start. So it still feels like pretty much the same team of last year, and that uh, that doesn't feel all that great. I think. Yeah, and I mean we we've we've seen it happen before uh, during the summer transfer window. It, it that you know Juventus is very much kind of in a you know sell before you buy kind of mode, and it it feels like it's to the extreme this summer with for obvious reasons with the finances being what how they are and you just feel like you're kind of waiting for that outside of kind of the known players that we know are probably are probably leaving at some point of uh, in the summer you kind of you're just waiting for that first domino to to drop and if if it's or did it or did it just yeah i mean you you just you just got our tour you just don't know you just don't know and I mean, is is it going to be Vlaovic? Is it going to be hope? I mean, hopefully not for either of them. Is it going to be Chiesa? Is it going to be, you know, somebody big leaving to, you know, free up some money to potentially bring in some additions? Or is this summer basically just trying to clear out the crap, no pun intended, the Barcelona, and really just roll with the core of last season squad but really kind of trim things down and hope that you know the the guys who are coming back from loan notably rovella uh you know the youngsters uh fajoli and others you know Gatti, other guys really kind of take a step forward and and show that they can be part of this team long term so that you know maybe say next summer is really when cristiano juntoli can can start doing what he does best because He's really, I mean, he's come into just such a, a very unique situation where it's like, okay, we need you to get the squad in order, but finances are, you know, razor thin. You, you barely got any room for error when it comes to spending and you can't spend much to begin with. So you got to make sure that things are really just, you know, get them in order. And I feel like, you know, there, there are already people starting to get grumpy on them about grumpy with them online. And I mean, it, it's, it's Twitter. So, you know, that's expected, but it's like, what do you really expect from the guy two weeks in? I mean, did you expect him to revolutionize the squad that quickly? I don't know, but some people live in FIFA saves. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Where it'll happen in two seconds. Yeah. And it, it just feels like, you know, this is, this thing with Juntili is going to take a little bit. And I feel like, unfortunately, this summer is really just going to be like, if you had any expectations of the squad getting better, I'm not sure that's actually going to happen. Unless the lone returners, like you said, you know, does a guy like Rovella turn the midfield into a more balanced unit that can actually function better? And that takes the team up a, up a few notches. Like it's, we're very much looking at, at the interior improvements as opposed to anything external right now. Yeah, and I think you you alluded to it uh, earlier, Danny, with uh, the Milan game on, on the deck about how they, they kind of revamped their whole squad and it's a very different-looked squad. And that's really pretty much exclusively fueled by uh, the sale of one of their midfielders in Sandro Tonali, right? Like they they cash in on that guy, get a big, big transfer, transfer fee back, and they kind of well, that I don't and know going if, to the semifinals of the Champions League helped with them. Helped for that with them too. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, that they had there was a lot of factors, but they made a lot of moves. That when you look at that team, I don't know. I don't know if it's you know necessarily one hundred percent better. 
because you still have to see them play and you still have to see how those pieces fit. But, I, I, you know, when you look at that team, at least on paper, I do think it, it looks like a much more complete side, like a, like a side that's ready to compete in, in multiple fronts. And that wasn't always the, you know, the, the, the image that they had last season in which, you you know, they were racer thin and they were playing three competitions. And now they look like a team that can actually play in three competitions that brought in a lot of talent for, you know, relatively mostly affordable fees. I think if you're Juventus, uh, and I think we all kind of, I don't know if expected, but but saw that as as a probable pathway of doing a, a similar thing, of cashing out on that on that big chip, uh, that being Blahovic, that being, you know, Chiesa or whoever you want, whoever is the, the player rumored of, of the day, and kind of doing that job in which you get a lot of, you know, more affordable pieces, but have a much more consolidated squad. And, and that felt to me like the only viable um, path towards an actual squad revamping. And it looks like, you know, and this could be a good or bad thing, depending on how you look at the team, but it feels like that big move might not happen. So if that big move doesn't happen, I agree with you guys. I think it's mostly going to be whether or not Rebella can take a step up from from his play of last season, uh, whether or not Chiesa is back uh, fully fit, uh, whether or not, you know, Illing Jr. and all of those guys can kind of like take another step and, and see if that kind of moves the needle. It's not you know, completely insane to think that it can happen that way, that it can, you know, that it can be marginally better. But uh, it, it's going to be tough for me to to really get into that competition for, for Serie A. You know, when you look at the roster as it is right now, uh, it, it's very hard for me to think that, you know, they're going to be uh, contenders. You know, obviously, if these things happen, if the players develop, if they take a step up, if suddenly they're playing much better, it's a different story. But at the very least, right now on paper, uh, you have to be, I think, a little underwhelmed overall. I, th- I think I am a bit underwhelmed in, in their prospects of, of next season. No, and I mean, you said it too. I mean, it's basically the same squad as as last season. So, you know, we saw that they obviously did not play an inspiring brand of football by any means. You know, it was it was basically going into it. You you expected Max to, to court the one nothing win and nothing else. And they haven't had any real additions outside of Tim Weah. So, I mean, if if your optimism wasn't all that high coming into the summer, knowing that there's been very little movement in terms of player additions, it it's not going to change all that much. I got I got nothing else to say. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, hundred percent. Much... I, I think I think that's where where you you fall into that thing, like the Milan thing, right? Like obviously, Sandro Tonelli, very good player. You would like to have a Sandro Tonelli on your team. However, with that being said, is the team better off now with all the other moves they made? And I think that was really the predicament that Juventus was on, right? Like a Blahovic. Obviously, you want Blahovic on your team. He's a really good player. But was there a move there? Was a transfer fee there that you know would conceivably make your team better overall, even if you didn't have that you know big talented player? So. You know, I think until that domino falls, it's really just, you know, hoping and praying that, you know, Rovella looks great and Illing Jr. looks great and then Chiesa looks great. And that's that's about it, which could happen. Not saying won't happen, but it's as a fan, at least, that, that we love to have this shiny new thing. It's kind of, you know, underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Since we have uh, no no rooting interest in it. Can I just throw out one question real quick before we transition to the next, uh, next talking point? Sure. Sure. 
Does uh Barcelona plays Arsenal in a friendly on Wednesday? Does that game happen? <laughs> Oof. Depends on the state of the plumbing of their uh <laughs> of their hotel, doesn't it? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think they have to just for money. I think they can scrunch up a, a team, a squad, and, and play with enough guys because I don't know if I don't know if they get invited back if they cancel two games, right? I, they literally had what fourteen guys I read last at last count that were like pretty much incapacitated by this thing. <laughs> I mean, they I didn't see a, a direct, uh, an official number, but I mean when. When you say knowing how big these squads are that travel over for these tours, uh, you know, and especially in Barca's case with with a whole lot of probably young kids from their youth setup that they want to bring over and look at. Uh, I mean, that's probably what t- at least 25, 30 players. So yeah, I think they had something like thirty-two. So in there, you know, if if it's if they're saying it's a significant number, you got to believe it's probably at least half of them. Yeah. And then it just goes back to, you know, like, what did you eat, guys? Yeah. See, maybe maybe that's where Juventus had it right. Flying in the day before the Fly. game rather than flying yeah, right. in four days before the game saved them from U.S. cooking or wherever Barcelona yeah. is at the hotel. And who knows where they were staying. But we yeah. digress. Uh, I'll throw out this question kind of relating to the, the preseason friendlies. We've mentioned a few names already but is there a, a couple of guys that you are besides kind of the obvious ones you know the kind of the, you know the younger guys you know the Ravellas, the the illing juniors of the world and tim Wyatt, since he's the new guy are there a few guys that you are really looking forward to like okay this could be a big preseason for them i mean i don't know i guess i could throw paul pogba into there because i'd like to actually see him play rather than throwing a football on the sidelines during training. Uh, well, all the current reports say that he's probably not going to play against Udinese. So yeah, exactly. That... Well, that's what I mean. I'd actually like to see him play rather than do nothing or just rehab. I, I think, unfortunately, that's all we're going to see him do. <laughs> you know, he's there for he's there to be seen is is basically a medical poster boy. Yeah. To, to answer your question, I do think that, like I said, Rovella is a big is a big one because you know a good preseason can give uh, Rovella a, a big boost pretty immediately and get him into the you know into the starting mix and in midfield. Uh, here's one that's that's got a uh, that's that I think is going to be really interest uh, interesting to watch, and that's a name that we haven't mentioned in a couple of weeks, and that's that's Andrea Cambiaso. Yeah. Because the fullback, wingback area is so devoid of, you can't even say it's devoid of talent, it's just devoid of people. You know, if if he impresses in these couple of games and in, in the training leading up to it, you know, you have a guy that's got a potentially big role to play on that left side, especially depending on what, on what formation Max Allegri decides to play. So yeah, I, I think that he's got a lot to play for in this in these friendlies. And I also think that uh looking between Arik Milik and Moise Kane to see, you know, if Dusan Vlaovic stays, who is, you know, the main guy behind him, if Dusan Vlaovic leaves and is not really replaced, who takes over? 
And if Dusan Vlahovic leaves and Romelu Lukaku comes in, who replaces Lukaku after he inevitably inevitably disappoints everybody? Um, <laughs> that's you know because you remember Kane had a had a pretty good preseason last year, and there were you know rumors that you know rumors going into last year that the team was really disappointed. I mean, rightfully disappointed with him in in the his first season after his first season back, and uh, that they were looking to either send him back to Everton or or exercise his option early and then sell him on. And then he had a, a really good preseason. He scored a, that really nice brace against Barcelona last year. And he kind of, I think, kind of solidified a, a, a place in the in the rotation last year based on that. And so, you know, that's another it's another thing to look at is 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 who's gonna be that guy up front. Yeah, I think I think a lot of the guys you mentioned, I, I agree. I think it's gonna be interesting, especially the striker. Uh I I think I, I wrote in the in the end of season ratings that, you know, Moise Keane uh, seems like he has been playing with, you know, forever, but he he's still, you know, in his very early 20s. Uh, I don't know if it's okay, or I don't know if he still qualifies as a prospect, but uh, he's still young and he still has talent. And, you know, there there's no, you know, he, he could be, you know, if he has put something together and has some some good performances, you know, we could finally get to see the, the Moise Keane that I think we all, we all wanted to see uh, from a few years ago. Uh, another guy that that I think is I'm very interested in seeing is Fabio Miretti because that's a guy that you know kind of shone very bright in the season early on, but kind of faded away as the season went along. I think he he I wouldn't say he fell out of favor necessarily, uh, but but you know clearly he wasn't as advanced as we thought he was, and you know. He's been the the target of a lot of rumors, seeing you know maybe that he goes out on a loan. That there's a lot of teams that are interested in him, and I've been you know debating uh, myself of whether or not it's a good idea that he goes on a loan because you saw you saw what happened with Fagioli, you saw what what hopefully happens with Robella that alone actually helped them in their development quite a bit. So maybe that's a guy that you know with what I what what we know of them of him. Sorry alone might might benefit him right like considering what we saw of him that second half of the season seems primed like for a guy to to go out on alone but if like sam said like that's the type of player that with a strong preseason a strong showing uh looks like he kind of took a step forward after you know that second half last year maybe it's better for him to stay on the squad rather than than go out on alone and that's that's kind of like what i'm one of the guys that i have my my eye on for sure and and the other is actually um captain now new captain danilo because i i think it's it's all going to depend on the formation but that to me seems like a guy that you know out of you know the 352 we a lot of the arguments were that you know it put a lot of your best players in poor positions and i think that's that's true to a degree but it also put a guy like danilo in that three man backline that saw him just take another step like he was always a a good above average fullback but he really really found himself as a player as a leader as a performer in that you know hybrid center back role that i don't i don't think he ever he'd ever done before in his career so uh that that's going to be interesting for me now that he has that you know place of you know not only a starter but a leader in that team um how that translates in, in terms of a lineup decision. If he goes back to being a, a fullback, which he can do very, very well, but he's not, I, I wouldn't say he's a great player as a 
fullback. I do think that as a three in a three-man backline center back, he was great. And you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they how they kind of manage that transition if they decide to change formations or if they they remain the same and how he keeps performing in that in that play. So that that's also going to be interesting for me to see. We can thank Andrea Pirlo for putting Danilo in that hybrid center back role. Mm-hmm. Hey, he had ideas. The guy had 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 ideas. Thank Andrea Pirlo for a lot of the things that that players have since regressed from, with the exception of Danilo. The guy had ideas. Very, very well said, Sergio. All right, shall we? Uh, shall we do a few Twitter questions to wrap thing, this thing up, gentlemen? Seeing yeah, as sure, things are very, that. very, very quiet on the transfer rumor front this week, so not much yeah. to, uh, to talk about there. All right, first, first question from at William Elsing. I hope I said said that right. Uh, Juventus are quote unquote proud that they never changed coaches midseason, but with Juntili's man. In waiting, do you guys see the change happening if Max gets off to a bad start? I, I, I think, and I am going to go to an example that just happened with uh, my belovedly frustrating Gold Cup champion. There uh, you go. Mexico national team. Just the worst tournament in, in the world, but still they won it. Um, <laughs> Qatar was there. For whatever reason. Anyway, hopefully you didn't watch a minute Con- of it. CONCACAF heavyweights Qatar. Qatar, yeah, obviously. This great holiday destination. Deeply recommended. Uh, but <laughs> it, it what happened with them is that they, after the the, the fiasco that was the, the Gerardo Martino here after the World Cup, they appointed a guy called uh, Diego Coca, who was the the manager for a, a big big time team here in Mexico and in, in, in Monterrey. And it was a, a very criticized decision. Most people didn't like it. It, it's, it. it had a lot of internal politics that I'm not going to get into, but a lot of people didn't like it, thought it was a bad choice. And then he crashed and failed spectacularly. He he got humiliated by the U.S. 3-0 in the, in the Nations League. He played like, I think he managed the team for like eight games in which they looked honestly pretty bad at most of them. But And then they fired him, which a lot of people was like, okay, he didn't coach great. I get it. But he had eight games. And I think out of those eight games, only five of them uh, were with like a full squad. So it, it was it was hard for people to really completely blame him for everything because it was just a very, very short amount of, of games that they gave him. And what that pointed to me is that they picked him, yes, but they never had any faith in the project. They never had any faith in the guy because at the very first moment that that he had a you know, that he gets bounced out of the Nations League, they fired him. At the very first provocation that they could, they fired him. And that, to me, signaled that there was no faith in in a project. And if you don't have faith in a project, why have it at all? And I think with Allegri, I think if they start to see some badly and they fire him mid-season, if the confidence is already so shaky, fire him now. Like, if you're not going to give him a full season, Fire him now. If there's no confidence there, if there's no faith in there that if you stumble out of the gate, you're going to fire the guy, why wait? Like, why waste minutes? Why why do the whole dance of appointing an interim and, and kind of having like a half season with an interim coach? And it just, it, it feels dumb to me to do that. If you really don't think that the guy has it, then I think they should fire him now. If he starts the season... I do think he's gonna he's gonna finish the season because I think they've shown a lot of faith in him. Uh, I don't think the economics of the whole thing with his deal really change if you fire him mid season. I think you still have to 
power through it. So yeah, I, I, I don't really buy the narrative that if he stumbles out of the gate, they're going to fire him. If you don't have faith in the coach already with a new front office in, I think they would have fired him already. So for whatever reason, be it, be it financial, uh, be it because Juntoli believes still in Max Allegri, I don't know. But I do think they're going to give him the the full year because that, that just what makes more what makes more sense, in, in my opinion, in my mind. I mean, I think that we talked about this with, with Adriano on on Tuesday when we were recording with him, Danny. I think that a lot of, of the reason that Max Allegri is still here has to do with management higher than Cristiano Gentoli. I think there are guys above him that consider Allegri uh, a, a, you know, a stabilizing force, a that look at what he's done in the past and think, of course, he can do that again, that trust him, like Adriano said, that, you know, that, that that trust factor in Italy is a big thing. Whether or not that trust is misplaced is another question. I personally think it is. I think that if he stumbled, if we're looking at a really bad time out of the gate, then I think we're looking at I think we have a higher chance of seeing a mid-season coaching change than we used to, than than we would have last year. Because, you know, here we have a, a new front office. We have Cristiano Giuntoli here who, you know, who Allegri is very much not his guy. How often do we see it in, in other sports and other countries when a new front office comes in, they want their guys. And, you know, Giuntoli is going to have that argument to make if the team starts scuffling at the very beginning, especially since the early part of the schedule is relatively easy on the eyes. It's not a gauntlet by any means. No, you're like your first set, your first six games. Your only big one is Lazio in is, is a home game against Lazio, you know, Udinese, Bologna, Ampoli, Sassuolo is always tricky, but Lecce, and and then you get that that first big three game stretch of Atalanta, Torino, Milan. But you know, if you go into that Atalanta game having having dropped a bunch of points, that to me is going to say a lot. And that could could very much prompt Gentoli to really just look at at manage at the management above him and say, "This is what you hired me for," and and maybe see another another uh, you know a change after that. But I, I I do think that if it would have to take a really catastrophic start for a quick change, at least, and then we'll we'll see after that. Yeah, I think it's it's 100 percent what you said. I think that the board, for whatever reason, trusts him. And l- like you said, like, I agree 100 percent. I don't I just don't see them unless they lose five in a row. I, I don't see that trust really eroding if if you know the results are not there quite yet because the results haven't been there for two years now so i don't i don't i don't really understand how five more below average games kind of like changes that trust or erodes that trust that has survived uh two trophyless years and you know like like i you know all all roads lead back to the mexican national team but you know people were, were making the argument well you got humiliated by the u.s like you have to get you know, you have to fire a coach after that. And, you know, previous coaches lost to the U.S. too. Uh, you know, Martino lost to the U.S. Uh, the previous coach, uh, the, the guy who took them to the Russia World Cup, 
he got humiliated by both Chile and Germany in previous tournaments to the to the World Cup. And and they stuck by him because they had faith in that project. They got faith in that manager. And sometimes that faith is is you know poorly placed, like like Sam said. Like sometimes that that faith is they, they shouldn't have it. Uh, but I think as long as they believe in the project, they believe in the coach, and for everything that we see, they do. But I do think they're going to stuck by him. They're going to stick by him, and and that might be you know fifty percent trust, fifty percent the fact that they can't afford to fire him. But I do believe that if they were going to fire him, they would have fired him by now. I think he's, uh, unless something truly, truly catastrophic happens, uh, I do think he finishes out the year. All right, next question from at Miguel Garza 85. Short and sweet, why insist on waiting for Pogba? Yeah, similarly, you know, see previous answer. They don't really have a choice. Uh, <laughs> they, you know, they, they made their bet. They made, they made that bet that he could, go back to being a top player when healthy. Uh, so far, that part of the when healthy hasn't really panned out. And, you know, the player, you know, they kind of got thrown the lifeline there with the Saudi Arabia thing, but that felt more like a, you know, like a rumor, more than like a, like a, you know, like an actual real thing. Uh, but right now, no one's going to put a big table on the, on big offer on the table like I said, other than the, maybe the Saudi clubs, no one's gonna, no one's interested in Paul Pogba right now with huge wages and after playing, you know, a hundred minutes or so in a full season. Like they're stuck with him, and and it is what it is. Like they they don't really have much choice other than to, you know, trust and hope that this is the season that he gets it together. Uh, whether or not that happens, is, it remains to be seen. To be seen, but th- there's really, I, I I don't see any big time club even being slightly interested in Paul Pogba. So they're, they're kind of stuck with the asset and not, not a lot more to do. Who the hell wants the, the current version of Paul Pogba, who's always injured and on high wages? Yeah, th- those players are not in high demand. The Saudis, apparently. That's about it. Yeah, I mean, other than the Saudis, what, what else? I mean, they, like Sergio said, there's just no other option. And Yeah. The only way to, to free yourself from Paul Pogba is to buy him out and pay the majority of pay him the majority of his salary anyway um unless he decides that going to saudi arabia is is his thing because you know contracts are contracts so and he signed what is a four-year four-year deal is this year two of a four-year deal this is year two of four four-year deals have really worked out well for juventus lately haven't they yeah i know right and which i think that's probably why they gave gentoli five All right. Uh, next question here. And I love the way that it is prefaced from at Amin underscore SIB. Uh, I don't want to sound dark, but is there any positive thing that we can wait for, wait from next season? <laughs> yeah, of course there is. There's always hope. I mean, always. We, we, we already mentioned a bunch of scenarios in which uh, things get better because there is a scenario. Like, like we said, all the young guys take a step up. Uh, Federico Chiesa either you know, goes back to being a full-time winger and looks like his old self, or for whatever reason, they decide to play him as a second striker and he thrives, which is, again, a some a possibility, something that could happen. Paul Pogba doesn't get hurt. Um, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a scenario there. It's possible. Uh, whether or not that's likely, I mean, that's, you know, that's a different story, but there's definitely a way, there's definitely a path in which this team is is better. It just requires a lot of, a lot of faith 
some of it unfounded, some of it not, but it requires a lot of a lot of faith in things bouncing bouncing you this way. But there's definitely a, a path. Yeah, I agree. It's just it's it's a question of a lot of things having to go right for it to happen. And for all of those stars to align, much like and and you know. If you want to be optimistic, you can say, well, you know, you point to the 12 to the 11, 12 season and go, well, it happened once, but, you know, it doesn't happen always. <laughs> you know, more likely this is going to be a, a, a couple of years long slog here. So, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, there there are some there are some possibilities, but it's just it, it so much has to go right. So much so very much. All right, we'll wrap things up on this question since we like to have fun on this podcast and we always uh, advocate for fun from at Locatelli. That is Locatelli, not Locatelli. What is the meaning of life? 42. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, believing that Paul Pogba is going to be healthy. <laughs> I just kind of like <laughs> hoping against hope that everything is going to be all right. That's right. I thought, I thought you were going to give us some kind of, uh, inspirational quote in spanish or something but you're you're free to do so if you want uh no no i got nothing um i, <laughs> I don't think i'm in a position to advise anyone on anything really i i you know just hope against hope that things are going to get better that's it hey but to, to reference the grab bag since like in season times this is something that i usually read before recording the podcast be on the lookout for sergio Rocking an old school, maybe not totally uh, legit Juventus kit in the near future. Yeah, you, you'll never be able to tell them. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap things up for this week. Thank you all for your Twitter questions. We always appreciate them. If you want to send them to us as well as follow us on Twitter while Twitter is still a thing, feel free to do so at Juventus Nation on Twitter. Follow the Fans First Sports Network. On Twitter as well, at FansFirstSN. I believe there is also a launch of the Fans First website that has happened within the last week or two uh, as well. So check that out if you want to get your uh, American football needs, because that is the, the focus so far of the website. So if you want to listen to this podcast, subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Give us a nice five-star rating or review. As I said at the beginning of the show, check out our interview with TV presenter Adriano Del Monte. He had some very good things to say about Juventus, as well as the Women's World Cup with Italy uh, kicking off in a few hours from when we are recording here. So on that note, for Sam, for Sergio, for Chucks, and for producer Couch, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>